Hello, this is Corinne Boudreaux. Welcome to the Women Doing Cool Stuff podcast. On this podcast, we shine a light on women doing cool stuff in their businesses, in their work, and in their volunteer activities. So let's get to this week's episode. So on today's episode of the Women Doing Cool Stuff podcast, I'm actually co-hosting today with my daughter, Enya. Thank you for joining me, Enya. Thank you for having me. Uh, We're recording this on Take Your Kid to Work Day. So that's why Enya is joining me. And our guest today on the podcast is Janet McDonald of My Campus GPS. Thanks for joining us, Janet. Thanks, Corinne. I'm really glad to be here, and I'm really glad to be Enya's first interviewee. Yeah, getting all the experiences today. Well, I'm going to hand things over to Enya to ask Janet some questions. So tell me your story about how you started My Campus GPS. Sure. Um, Well, I started it a little over three years ago. And um, where it kind of came about is I was an admissions officer at two different universities um, at UBC and at Dalhousie University for uh, several years. And during that time, I spoke with thousands of parents and students, and um, I noticed that through my discussions with them that they were, um, I often heard the lines of, oh, I wish I hadn't known about that, or, oh, I didn't know about that, that would have made things different. So I found that they were missing out on different types of opportunities, and that really bothered me. I There's nothing I hate more than a missed opportunity. So... I um, I kind of had this idea to start this business and I put it on the back burner for a while and I've been working in universities for the majority of my career now. But uh, yeah, it was a, a little over three years ago that I really saw that need, that gap in service. So students um, needing more information about university admission and um, different types of programs and information about that and especially about scholarships as well how to find and how to apply for scholarships so that's how I started my business um, just realizing that there was a need for this information and I had I had the information that students and parents really needed um, to be more successful at university The, the thing is, is that scholarships tend to come up really soon in grade 12. They actually start to be uh, announced in September, October. In fact, the biggest one, one of the biggest ones in Canada, the deadline for it is mid-October of grade 12 year. So if you're thinking about that, there's an, and there's another one too, that the Loran is around mid-October and the TD community leadership one is around this time, is around mid-October that the deadline is. So if you think about that, you think, wow, you know, the, the, um, the information that I'd be using on that, those applications would actually come mostly from grade 11 and grade 10, because grade 12 hasn't really even happened yet. You know, we're just starting grade 12. So these are the ones that are the big ones. You know, it's $100,000 and $70,000. Um, those big ones come out really soon. So, um, 
I think that students should really start to be at least thinking about some of this stuff in grade 10 and then taking on maybe some kind of leadership role in grade 11 so that they can have some of that experience um, on for their applications in grade 12. I don't think that it's ever too late, but I do think that, you know, optimal time is earlier the better. Okay, and do your grades like highly affect your scholarships? They can for some scholarships. So um, university admission entrance scholarships, they tend to focus more on your grades than say some of the external scholarships. And what I mean by external, what I mean by that is any scholarship that is offered by an organization other than the university, okay? So the external um, scholarships might require um, high marks or they might require, often it's more like a 75 average or something like that, or they might not require any grades at all. So, um, so the focus is more on grades with university entrance scholarships than it is with the external scholarships. So what do the external scholarships tend to focus on then? They focus more on community involvement and um, activities and experiences, challenges that you might have faced, and that sort of thing. They also um, might have more of a financial need uh, component to them. So some scholarships will require students to have demonstrated financial need, which is, you know, um, you know, of course, they're going to want to reward students for their activities and everything, but also give them money to students who do have financial need and who might not otherwise be able to might otherwise not be able to attend university if they don't have some some financial support. So, um, so, but it is important that when we're talking about financial need that we understand what that definition of financial need is because each each organization is going to have a different definition of what they consider to be financial need. So you always um, have to read the fine print to find out what that, what that definition is, like is it a certain amount or whatever, um, before you just assume that you don't qualify for the, for the award, yeah. Um, when you talk about community involvement, what would be some examples of community involvement that that a, a student could talk about? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's kind of the optimal kind of involvement, um, and that is more um, someone who is not just part of a group, but someone who has taken on some kind of leadership role within a group or taken on some responsibility for to organize something or for a project or for people. So when I talk about leadership, it really just means stepping into a role where you're taking on some kind of responsibility for a project um, or for people, you know, and or people, I guess, leading people. So sometimes people just think, well, if it's leadership, it must mean like student council president. Well, that is a leadership role, but it could also mean organizing um, something within your school, 
Um, especially something if students can um, initiate something rather than kind of taking on a role that's already established, but actually start something of their own, that's really the best kind of experience that students can take because it's showing that initiative to do something. It's that leadership role of seeing a need within their school community, for example, or within their you know, larger community, seeing a need and then stepping up to the plate and filling that need, doing something to help in an area that uh, requires some kind of you know, need or whatever. So that's really the best kind of experience that students can get. But really what I suggest students do is, you know, most students like to do something <laughs> other than, you know, like some kind of activity or they have some kind of passion or hobby or something like that. I would encourage you to, um, to find a way that you can kind of use that thing that you really like to do um, within that activity. So if you, for example, um, are involved with music and maybe you're taking music lessons and you really like to play music, maybe what you could do then is organize a couple of your friends to play in a singer's home or something. Um, you know, on an ongoing basis over the course of a few months or something like that. So you're taking something that you like to do and that you would kind of be doing anyway and using that um, to, to get some experience in this sort of in taking initiative, filling a, filling a need. And, um, and it's something that I think probably would also make students just feel really good about doing something that they like to do and sharing that with other people. Scholarship, like even if their grades aren't the best, or if they didn't participate, like in their community as much. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think that there are that that the myth about having to be a top student, like only top students get scholarships. I think there is a big myth out there that that that's the case. Now I will say that top students do get scholarships, okay? But not all scholarships are won by top students. So there are a lot of different kinds of scholarships out there. Some will require, some are very competitive and will require, you know, really kind of that, that initiative and that, those leadership um, positions and whatnot, and some will require high grades, but not all. There are some that, um, that don't require any grades at all. And then there are some that are less competitive. So you wouldn't necessarily have to have as many activities. But I would say that the activities part is probably the more important part for some of those scholarships. So I would say you would have to probably have, um, you know, if your grades aren't really strong, then I would say for scholarships, your better bet then would be on the activities side. So to focus more on that. Um, so if they're not, you know, you kind of have to be strong in, in one or the other, or kind of equally good, uh, maybe in both areas. But if someone has low grades and not a lot of activities, I wouldn't say that there are no opportunities for them, but there would be a lot fewer.
Yeah. But there are things like, for example, essay contests. And essay contests don't usually don't require any grades. And um, they can just be on a topic that the organization um, wants you to write on. So there, it might be something like, um, tell us a way that unions have made our lives better. Um, oh, there's one that I really like. It's called the dumbest thing I ever did with money. So any, pretty much anybody <laughs> could write about that, right? Because we've all done stupid stuff with money. That's offered by a credit union. And that's just, you just have to write the essay. So again, no requirement for grades and no requirement for activities. Okay, so what I, the, the way that I like to help people kind of wrap their head around that return on investment is that I say that um, even a $1,000 scholarship can um, mean, uh, or it's the equivalent of working about 90 hours in a part-time minimum wage job. So, you know, by working maybe two hours or something on a scholarship application, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win it, but if you do, it's going to save you about 90 hours working in a minimum wage job. So sometimes people say, well, like two of my students, for example, who I was working with this uh, fall, they decided to cut back on some of their part-time hours at work because they wanted to devote more time to writing their scholarship applications. So, you know, when you think about, let's say they cut back maybe three hours a week or something on their part-time job, they may be winning thousands of dollars by writing those applications during those three hours when they really, in their job, they probably would have made, what, maybe $35 or something working those three hours. So when you factor in that kind of thing, like I say, it's not a guarantee, but if you do win, it has a big return on investment. So in terms of how much it costs to, for a university, I mean, really, it, it does depend, and there's a big range. It depends on the program, the university, whether you live in residence or live at home and all of that sort of stuff. But you could probably um, estimate about maybe $9,000 for tuition, say, and probably around $10,000 for, um, for residents. And then it, on top of that, you know, you've got all of your other, your books and traveling back and forth to home and setting up your dorm room, <laughs> and all of these little costs that really, really add up. So it's, it's an expensive undertaking, and I don't know that sometimes that parents really communicate that well to their student. And I understand that they don't want to create anxiety for their student. They don't want them to feel overwhelmed by it. But I do think they need to be informed somewhat about the, um, the cost of it and, and um, then ask them to... Um, to try to help them to pay for this by, you know, um, applying for scholarships that they're that they are eligible for, right? If you're eligible for this, there's an opportunity there. We would like you to um, to try for that opportunity and and potentially save thousands of dollars. Okay, so do you need to apply for scholarships to get scholarships? 
Yeah, so you you do for most scholars, I mean, you do have for all of them in one way or the other. Now, university entrance scholarships, some of them are auto, like they're, they're kind of automatic, you're automatically considered for those. And basically what that means is that the university has set certain um, tiers, I guess you would say, of awards for students based solely on their average their admission average. So for example, you know, if you have a 90 average, you get $2,000 or $5,000 or something like that. If you have an 85 average, you get $1,000 or something like that. There's, they, they put these things in place and they just basically do a, a calculation, just numbers, and um, then you're automatically offered that as a scholarship. But then there are other ones that require an application and that like a separate application and those are normally have uh, different parts on them there's usually a list of activities that the student has to complete like different tell us about the different activities that you've participated in and then there would be um, a section uh, for an essay normally and then a section for references often as well so um, and then, of course, your transcript, your, your grades. So those are the main parts, usually, of an essay. There might be other ones, but those are the main parts of most, or sorry, most scholarships. What are, where do you see my campus GPS going in the future? What are, you, what are you doing? How can people work with you now, and where would you like to go in the future? Right. So most of my work is done one on one. So I work with students across Canada, <clears throat> excuse me, um, on Zoom normally or on the telephone. And um, so I help them. Nor it's normally with preparing scholarship applications. And most of that is really working on their essay um, for the scholarship. So that's that's most of the work I do. But I also offer um, an online program called How to Write Winning Scholarship Applications, and I offer workshops in the local area as well. So what I would like to do in the future is really do more work online in groups. So I will probably be doing um, things like webinars and that sort of thing. Um, getting students into groups and taking them through um, basically like an online workshop to help them to craft their scholarship applications um, and promoting my online program more and um, yeah so I, I do have some other things that I'm thinking about as well I'm thinking about writing a book um, so yeah I've got a lot of things that I would like to do basically you know it's that thing of the working one-to-one -one and wanting to kind of scale that up and work with more people. And uh, so that's what I'm, I'm going to start to do. But I, I really do love working one-on-one -on -one with students and parents. Right, so you live in Halifax, but you, uh, but you do work already with people across Canada. Right, yeah, I do. So a lot of students in Ontario and, um, and a few in BC right now, but I have, student in Newfoundland, I have, yeah, I have lots of, lots of uh, different areas that I service, yeah. Hello, this is the Legal Minute brought to you by Legal Essentials, Inc. 
where you come to feed your business with legal knowledge. So for this week's Legal Minute, what popped into my head when I was listening to what Janet was talking about and the types of services that she provides through My Campus GPS were disclaimers. So from Janet's perspective, she wants to give the best information and, and processes to students in order to apply for scholarships, but she also wants to make it clear that she is not guaranteeing any scholarships, she's not going to guarantee that they're going to win any scholarships, and that she has a part to play, but they certainly have personal responsibility as well. So um, it's important when you're providing services like this, where people could potentially get upset if they don't get whatever result that they're hoping for, you want to have something in writing basically saying that you're not guaranteeing them any particular result. So it's always important to make that clear from the outset. You're going to give them your best stuff, but it's up to them. And of course, lots of circumstances vary. So that's this week's Legal Minute on Disclaimers, sponsored by Legal Essentials, Inc. good ideas for us on self-care tips, things that you do to get yourself psyched before <laughs> you go on a Zoom call with students, maybe? <laughs> um, well, as far as self-care, um, I tend to be pretty self-disciplined and a bit of, I, I do work quite a lot. Um, but, you know, having done this for over three years now, there's never really been more than a few minutes when I didn't love what I was doing. So it doesn't really, I mean, it's, it sounds cliche, but when you find something that you love to do, it really doesn't feel like work most of the time. I mean, sometimes it does, you know, but I, I just love doing this. And, you know, I'm one of those people who, when I go out to parties, I start to talk about this and, and I, I could talk about it all night. Right. So I, I do really love it. Um, so as far as self-care, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just try not to take it all too seriously, basically, in the end. You know, just try to, try to just say, look, the world isn't going to fall apart if I don't do this today. I'm just going to, you know, go to a movie with my son or whatever and just kind of, you know, take a break, basically. And it is those breaks that I find that I kind of come up with some really good, you know, information too that I that I like to share with people as far as my um, my pump up or whatever I well I like you Corinne I love my don't stop believing <laughs> by journey <laughs> I must admit I do listen to that on occasion and I need a little um, boost but I find actually listening to podcasts to be really inspiring like hearing other people talk about their successes and their their struggles and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I really, I really, when I need a little bit of um, inspiration, sometimes I'll put on a podcast and talk and listen to them, and and I always get some kind of inspiration from them, especially women talking about how they, you know persevered through something or you know how we shouldn't just wait to be not scared to try something because you're always going to be scared you need to push through that fear and just do it scared and yeah so those are the things that that inspire me so who are some of your favorite podcasters 
Um, yeah, so one of my favorites right now, I kind of go through different, you know, depending on what I'm working on, I'll go through different um, people who I like. But my one of my favorites right now is Carol Cox on the Speaking Your Brand uh, podcast, because I want to improve my public speaking skills. And uh, I find her information to be really practical, really useful and inspiring as well. Um, I like uh, Amber De La Garza and Productivity Straight Talk. I find her stuff to be really actionable and I really like that sort of stuff. And just for that motivation and inspiration, you can't beat Marie Forleo. She really is great at that. And whenever I need to just uh, feel good and a boost or something, I tend to go to her because she's just the, she's the, the boss in that area. Yeah. I, I was in awe when I was, you know, five, 10 feet away from her. Oh, yeah. Feel her energy radiating from her. Yeah. And she is, I mean, she's, I mean, she's a star and everything, but she is pretty real. Yeah. She sounds like she's pretty real. So that's, I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty real. Yeah, so I thought about this a little bit, and I'm thinking, I, 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 it's hard to come up with one person in particular, but I came up with a, a quality, I guess you would say, that I find really admirable, and that's that bravery, and this is kind of what I just mentioned about that, putting yourself out there and just kind of doing it and not waiting until you're you're comfortable because you, you need to step out of your comfort zone and just do things that that scare you a little bit and I just thought about that and I thought about you know just even the women around me like the women on my street so I have a neighbor who struggles with depression and she works uh, in the healthcare field and she talks to other like she talks to students um, in healthcare who um, we'll be dealing with patients with this kind of, uh, with these kind of struggles. And she tells them her story and she educates them on the, this, you know, the, about her, her struggles and all of this sort of stuff. And I just think, wow, that's, that's really brave for somebody to, to do that and to try to take what they, their story and try to help others. I have another person on my street who has, you know, taken the road less traveled and is a writer and writes for a living and publishes books. And I think that's just amazing too, because that's pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, most, some people would like to do that, but most people don't do that because it's not secure and it's not, you know, comfortable or whatever. And I have another person on my street, you know, she's a working mom, a working single mom. And, you know, she's just out there giving it her all, trying to just hold it together. So it's these people who are just kind of like everyday people, but they're, they're doing stuff that I just admire because it's pretty brave to just, like I say, put yourself out there and just kind of do it and, um, and do it scared, I guess, you know? Yeah, so can you tell us where we can find you online uh, if you wanna, if, and listeners can find you online if they want to find out more about what you're doing? 
And sure. I understand you have a special offer even <laughs> for podcast listeners. That's right. So my, um, my website is mycampusgps.ca. And on my website, I have a blog. It's actually an award-winning blog. Um, it's one of the top education blogs in Canada. And there are lots, there's lots of great free information on there about university admission, um, a bit about career exploration, and lots about scholarship uh, preparation. And uh, I also am on Twitter regularly. I love Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time. And I have a Facebook page as well. So my Twitter is at MyCampusGPS and Facebook is just, you can just search MyCampusGPS and I'm there as well. And I post lots of scholarship opportunities on my Twitter and Facebook as well. So you can, if you want to follow me, then that I will be posting and like scholarships that I find. Um, I do that quite regularly. So that's a good way to find out about scholarship opportunities. Okay. And then if people have questions, they can connect with you on Twitter as well. Yep. Twitter. Yeah, my website. Oh, and my offer is that if people, if anybody wants to um, email me and mention the podcast, then I will give them my 12-page guide on how to find scholarships in Canada for free. So that's, a, that's 12 pages of information, not just where to look for scholarships, but how to look for them as well. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, Janet. Thank you. Thank you, Enya. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>